Hi Arnab, welcome to Network Capital. In this podcast, we try and understand why people do what they do. Um, we are going to split this conversation into two parts. First, fit would be focused on your career, which has been uh, a fairly interesting transition from uh, technology to banking to public policy. And second, we're going to try and talk about uh, some principles of institution building because you're doing a, a masterclass for Network Capital Premium in a day. So we thought that this could be a prelude towards the masterclass coming up. So let's get started. Tell us a bit about uh, who you are and uh, how your career has shaped thus far. Uh, thank you, Utkash, for having me here. Uh, it's absolutely an honor and a privilege to be part of this podcast. Uh, I have been a regular listener to your podcast and I've learned a lot from them. So it feels fantastic to be here. Uh, in, in terms of who I am and where I am in, 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 as far as my career is concerned, uh, I have had a, a very uh, diverse career so far. I think if I count it correctly, maybe three or four careers. I started in technology, worked for a large tech company, both here in India and in their San Francisco office. This was Oracle. Uh, went for my business school here in India, ISB Hyderabad, then worked for Kotak Mahindra Bank and their corporate investment banking team and then eventually for Deutsche across the globe. So this was Singapore, some part in Hong Kong and eventually in New York. Uh, before I moved back in early 2017 to India to work for Niti Aayog and set up Government of India's uh, flagship innovation and entrepreneurship program. It has been an interesting journey so far, uh, about 13 to 14 years, uh, multiple geographies, multiple uh, new ways of working and, and several fantastic people who, has been, who have been part of the, the journey. So help me connect the dots yeah. uh, from, uh, from your various career pivots. What's common? Is there a thread that you're pursuing? Is there a goal that you're moving towards? Sure. So I, I think I'll consider myself very lucky in every single role that I've been part of. I've, I've been able to be very entrepreneurial inside large organizations. When I was working for Oracle, I was working on their latest product development suite. This was Oracle Fusion and was given in charge of building Oracle receivables. So it was a fantastic opportunity for a 23-year-old. Uh, had teams across three geographies. When I was at Deutsche also, I was pushing the frontier. I was looking for new opportunities. So I set up the Vietnam Equities Desk. We did the first public IPO in Vietnam. This was Vietjet. Uh, we set up the pre-IPO practice in Southeast Asia. When I moved to New York for Deutsche, we set up the entire indices and exchanges coverage practice, a lot of new areas in fintech. So that was the common theme, work inside a larger organization, but do something new, something important, something that has not been attempted. And all of this, that has eventually culminated in what I have been doing here at Niti Aayog, which is uh, being part of a special projects team, thinking about how do we use emerging technologies for bringing change at, at a large scale, bringing uh, high tech, high impact projects and seeing how we can solve some of the biggest challenges that we have in this country and make sure that we convert them into opportunities. So learning new things, making sense of them, staying ahead of the curve, and then probably creating a solution which amalgamates both a new approach and at scale has been a common theme across all the all the four careers that I've had so far. What does a day at Niti Aayog really look like? And how does it differ from a day that you spent doing banking? So banking was uh, very dynamic, yet it was very structured. The simple rule of investment banking, more true for 
Asia banking than U.S. banking because U.S. banking is is far more uh, larger teams and structured work. No work remains pending for the next day, which means that if I have been assigned something, it has to be finished that day, whatever time of the day it takes to finish that. Uh, and that was also a very interesting design principle. You will be on a on a deal. You'll be working with multiple banks. It could be an IPO deal. It could be an M&A deal. And uh, the idea was that you will be mark to market very soon. If it is an equity deal, you will know when the IPO happens, whether you have been able to price it correctly, whether it had, where you got the, what we call the IPO pop on day one, which is what is your listing price and has there been an increase in the price? So, and how much has been the increase in price, whether you priced it correctly or you left too much money on the table or you priced it too highly and, it, and the stocks uh, fell on day one. So that, that is the interesting part. Mark to market is very quick. If it's an M&A deal, you will see if it's a public M&A, you will see how the share prices react. So you know how what you're doing and you're working with a large set of people who are intellectually very driven and also so-called alphas. Uh, when it comes to uh, working in uh, public sector, the mark to market, that cycle happens over longer period of time. So you might be exploring something and, and the immediate results you will see, but the immediate results may have follow on effects which you may or may not anticipate. So compared to uh, say an investment bank where you could probably start at say 9am and go on till any time in the night, 1pm, sorry, 1am, 2am, or if it's a good day, say 10pm. Uh, the, the day here at Niti Aayog is very uh, dynamic, very unstructured. What I typically try to do is that I wake up early in the morning and try to finish a lot of work, front load a lot of work that that requires intellectual capability in the morning and then go to office and once you are in office, you meet a lot of people, you get a lot of uh, new work that comes and that needs to be addressed on a priority basis while a lot of structured work may keep happening over over several days. So, so th th it's a combination of uh, addressing new challenges, new opportunities, whereas looking at the larger theme overall over, over several weeks and, and months. And that's why a typical day at Niti would probably start with me being in office between 9.30 to 10, leaving by 7, 7.30. But like was the case with me at Deutsche, uh, I probably never switch off. So I could still be working late in the night or early in the morning, depending on where the work is, because the scale, the opportunity, and the kind of independence that I have been able to uh, enjoy at Niti is unparalleled. Uh, a lot of support from my uh, seniors and bosses in in believing in me, bringing crazy ideas and seeing them to fruition. So, so talk to us about one crazy idea that you've pursued, uh, uh, pursued at Niti and how is it shaped? So, so I wouldn't say this was my idea alone, but it was a combined, uh, and, and and you have met some of our team members. But of course, like when yeah. I say your idea, I mean yeah. talk a project. Like I yeah. want everyone listening to yeah. uh, understand what does a career pursuing policy really look like. Yeah. What are the challenges, opportunities? So absolutely. So 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 one of the one of the most uh, uh, challenging yet accomplishing aspect of my stint at Niti has been the work that we had done in, in the area of artificial intelligence. Uh, we started doing initial work in the month of, say, September, October 2017. I had some background in computer science. I had other people in my team who had new ideas about how to leverage AI. But all of us were scratching the surface, we said. And our bosses, Mr. Kant and Ms. Roy, they were very uh, enabling in saying that, okay, see what, what can happen if you guys can make sense of this. So we started picking up these projects where we could, we said, 
let us see if we can build something and try to prove the concept that this kind of technology actually works from a government perspective and we can have large impact. We picked the projects in healthcare, we picked the projects in agriculture and started building together with private sector people. Our role was one of curation and making sure that the right set of participants are connected and then seeing what the actual result is. Uh, and we start also starting writing and evangelizing a lot. Uh, as a result of which a lot of people ha started having faith in us in, in trying to build a common narrative for artificial intelligence for country as a whole. You would have read that in, in the budget announcement of uh, uh, February 2018, we were trusted with developing India's national strategy for artificial intelligence. Niti was given that responsibility and uh, we delivered the, on that responsibility by releasing India's national strategy in June 2018. Uh, it was uh, a very comprehensive exercise done over several months where we met experts, academicians, private sector people, institutions from across the globe. Uh, we were fortunate to travel to Silicon Valley. We were at a large conference done by NVIDIA. We met people at UC Berkeley, people from MIT who had traveled for that conference. Uh, and people from Stanford, etc., and saying what is where the technology is moving, what are the areas of adoption that we can think of as a country. The easiest thing for us would have been to just see what's happening in four or five countries. We use that as a template. And, and create uh, like an uh, LCM. Uh, create an LCM and say this is what will work for India. Unfortunately, most of our uh, endeavors in the past has been that, and it doesn't work. A lot of things that work in the Western world, a lot of initiative that will work in any other place will not work in India. India has their unique challenges and this needs to be properly understood before you start introducing any, any new initiative. Um, take healthcare for example, hmm. uh, the challenges are of access, availability and affordability. Uh, you can have the best solution but whether you have access to data here, whether you can democratize so that people uh, who are using majority of their healthcare expenses are meeting through their out-of-pocket expenses and that, that by the way 73% of all healthcare expenses can they afford and can can you by implementing this at scale ensure both a quality and also uh, affordability and unless you do that the best healthcare solutions will not work here. Uh, same case goes for uh, education solutions. You need a combination of both an intuitive uh, interface and ability to train a trainer so that they can uh, impart that knowledge to a large set of students. So these are the kind of challenges that we thought some of these could be addressed by a transformative new technology like artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning. These have all have, have shown us that we can uh, at least automate and augment large parts of tasks which may be repetitive in nature or which may work with a combination of human plus machine. And we said, which are the areas where private sector itself will not be able to be profitable if they go and uh, work on these solutions. So financial services, for example, it makes a lot of intuitive sense if, if private sector does uh, their AI interventions, their uh, machine learning, deep learning interventions, because everything, every money that you, every dollar of money that you put in, you will see an impact on the on the bottom line. Uh, sectors like agriculture, healthcare, uh, the benefits are accrued over a longer period of time mm -hmm. and, and they are accrued uh, not necessarily to the shareholders. So they're they are defined by large externalities. And that's where there's a combination of private plus public that kicks in, especially in a country like India, where we may not have the most sophisticated infrastructure when it comes to making sure that everybody has access to something which is a minimum at least. And hence, it makes sense for a public institution or the government itself to intervene in these areas. 
and if you have to intervene at a large scale that we as a country have, you have to have a technology angle to it. Hmm. And technology angle both in terms of, say, in healthcare diagnosis and then actual healthcare intervention. And that's why you have to understand what works here, what doesn't, and then build solutions for these. So this was the core part of the strategy. This was the core part of the strategy, uh, understanding where India is in terms of artificial intelligence. We have been working on this. This is not a new technology. I mean, whatever has happened in deep learning has happened in the past 10 years, but AI as a technology itself is not something new. It has been there since 1940s, 1950s, since Alan Turing's time. Uh, but what have we done here? Why we have not been able to accomplish our leadership aspirations? And the answers are not that difficult to find. It's uh, the number of researchers that we have in this country, the kind of adoption that we have see- seen from private sector uh, or, or large institutions. And how do we bridge that? And, and most of the times it's, it's a combination of opportunity and use cases. If you, uh, if you uh, give the opportunity uh, and use case at one place, you will see people flocking there. Silicon Valley is a fantastic example. Everybody gets paid well, uh, assumably, and is also working on something which is moving the needle. Mm-hmm. So for example, for Western world, uh, moving cars, uh, self- autonomous cars make sense. They, it also makes sense for them to work on uh, mental health solutions, and that's why you'll see a lot of in a uh, lot of uh, investments from Google in the mental health space. Uh, what you also want in a country like India is uh, solutions at scale to basic healthcare problems like cancer detection, TB detection, uh, solutions to diabetic retinopathy, uh, etc. So trying to understand where India is right now and building solutions for that, both through a research angle, uh, application of research angle and eventually adoption, and ensuring that you have the three important levers of any AIML solution, which is access to data, access to compute, and access to talent, making that available was the central pillar of all the work that we did. And it seems year. like uh, two years out, mm. uh, what have some things that uh, have worked well for this particular project? Yeah. And what have been some unexpected challenges? Yeah. Uh, the reason that I'm asking this yeah. question on this podcast is not specifically about AI per se. Mm. I want listeners to understand that when you work on a complex policy yeah. matter in, yeah. a, in, a, in a government kind of setting, what challenges can one expect and what are some opportunities that, that surprise uh, them with? Yeah, so let me answer the last part of it. Opportunities are, uh, are are plenty. I mean, you are practically uh, defining something using a blank slate. Uh, this has not been uh, worked upon at a large systemic scale when it comes to government. I mean, uh, ministries and departments will have their individual interventions. How do you build a common narrative so that everything that we do in any technology area has has an overall... Uh, greater good aspect to it and, and that that becomes a big opportunity itself. so you get to define what that greater good is and in our case for AI this was AI for all I mean making sure that artificial intelligence is used to make sure that all the problems that we have and what we are trying to solve for is available to everybody in the country uh, across focus sectors like healthcare, agriculture, education, mobility, urbanization, which which will be our are and will be our biggest challenges. Uh, the difficult part of it is that it takes a lot of coordination. It takes bringing a lot of people uh, at at a common level of understanding and ability to implement, and it it is it's a it's a lot of. Uh, 
say give and take trying to understand where do we uh, find the lowest common denominator and and move from there what has done been done so far how do we make sure that we while i said you have to define this using a blank slate it doesn't mean that you throw away every work that has been done how do we integrate previous work that has been done mm. here for example if if there's already a center of excellence uh, operating in say data sciences how do we use that if we are going to build a, a, a specialized center for fundamental research Mm. they should be talking to each other and when you are proposing say five centers for uh, fundamental research how do they they talk to each other so one could be in computer vision another could be in natural language processing are they going to work as islands of excellence or mm. are they going to work with each other and one of the important aspects that has that has uh, been lacking in our research and development ecosystem is that is projects coming out from a research uh, setting to eventually uh, application setting and making sure that not only focus on fundamental research but also incentivize private sector to bring most of these research to application domain is something that also becomes very very important so your client if you if you use the private sector term your client not only is various ministries and departments across the government your client are also at some point the eventual end user that will use this uh, will be benefiting from what you're trying to do in ai it's also your collaborators which could be academicians and how they perceive what you're trying to do and bringing them on board they should buy in all your ai efforts and that's why you'll see i'll be keep speaking a lot with with all professors across most uh, tech and non tech institutions in this country you'll also find that uh, large tech institutions and startups are also suitably uh, integrated while we are building this Uh, this kind of approach and that's why most of the work that we did had a combination of uh, stakeholder consultation from government entities from academicians from large institutions startups mm. it also had a lot of interactions with people who will eventually implement this and it comes both from uh, people who could be from a technology perspective higher up in the value chain so people who will be doing primary work product development etc but also eventually people who will uh transfer that product into a services approach and implement that mm. so so these become important and and also you need to understand that at the very end of the day you still are doing a high level work so this needs to be operationalized at some stage so if you if you start becoming too prescriptive in what you are trying to do you will stymie innovation you will stymie uh the eventual work that will happen when it goes into operational stage so so managing uh what you are trying to do and maintaining the spirit of what the work that you have been doing versus being not very prescriptive becomes another challenge when you try to build large scale problems and of course where do you draw line do you need 200 crores do you need 500 crores do you need 50000 crores where do you draw line mm-hmm. if you look at what other countries are doing simple states and cities in in china etc are putting 30 40 a uh, billion dollars together in ai can we as a country do that do we do we as a country need to do that uh, what are our strengths do we, uh, as as a late adopter of technology do we have a late movers advantage and and we build that can we position ourselves as a place where most of the technological innovations get a practical implementation angle people build technology elsewhere implement at scale in india and then export it to the rest of the world can that be our strength mm. so these are the kind of things that we need to uh, keep evaluating and understanding as we build the programs talk to me about your career growth in mm. niti ayog yeah and how is it different from your career growth in banking or tech 
so uh, banking or tech uh, you know that uh, banking is very easy every three years, three years you get a promotion you, uh, you start as an analyst you're uh, at the bottom of the pyramid then you become associate after three years then you become a vice president director and managing director it's very structured and if you keep doing well every year they sell you there is bonus and at the end of the three years you have a promotion uh, in public places uh, especially for people who have come from private sector it's not that straightforward it's not very structured and it all depends on where are you in your uh, career uh, when i joined niti ayog as uh, founding manager for Atal Innovation Mission. I already was coming with uh, a decent amount of experience. I already had worked for 12 years. So they, they hired me at a relatively senior, but yet uh, a junior perspective from a, from a government perspective. But I was trusted with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So Atal Innovation Mission started with a 200-300 crore mission and we eventually scaled it up in the past two and a half years to more than 3,000 crores now. Uh, and all of this has been driven by five of us from private sector plus a mission director who is also from private sector. Uh, this uh, and, and some of the early successes that we have had and, and you were part of Mentor India. We started that. You have been part of uh, Adult Tinkering Labs. You have seen how incubation centers have worked. Uh, it gave a lot of people confidence around us to give, to give us more challenges. And that is where AI came in picture. That's where we started working a lot in blockchain. Given my uh, background in fintech, we started working uh, with people in, in fintech. So I will uh, I will define the career progression in two aspects, which is which is a traditional sense of uh, are you getting a promotion and your salary hike, which I have got, and I have been very very uh, fortunate to uh, to be promoted and given a very good salary hike at Niti. And but however. The more important and the most fulfilling aspect is the kind of challenges that are thrown your way and you're expected to uh, handle them and the kind of opportunities to collaborate and work with uh, the best of the minds in business is. So the best of academicians, they are keen to work with you because you are working at national scale. The best of uh, CXOs are keen to work with you because you are defining the blueprint for several of our technology interventions for the next several years and uh, the the quality of uh, intellectual uh, discussions is very very high uh, a few weeks ago we were part of a, a workshop with world economic forum where we are trying to see how we can define the ethical framework for application of artificial intelligence in ai i mean this is something that uh, we need to think and hence we need to engage with best of the uh, best of the minds working in in at the intersection of uh, ai and ethics so that that is that is uh, the kind of career progression that that drives a lot of people like us uh, not nobody just, knows the future but do you see yourself uh, uh, being in the public sector riding the clearly very hyper growth trajectory that you're on or mm. do you see yourself doing something else uh, as you said, nobody knows the future, but the opportunities that I have got so far have been at, at large scale, uh, have been very, very dynamic, and I have, I have always enjoyed Let me reframe this yeah. question. What would be the principles on which you will decide your next career move? So principles uh, have remained same, will remain the same. It has to be a combination of uh, high impact and high impact at scale through technology and innovation. That is the only thing that I know. The, the primary skills that I have is uh, our tech and finance. 
if it's a combination of that and if i get to work at a large scale um, then i'm very very happy the kind of opportunities that i've got at nitya all of them have been uh, i would assume have been at billion scale and billion scale opportunities i've been very very privileged to work on them uh, you don't get that many opportunities uh, elsewhere so so of it, course, it becomes, so a, it becomes a difficult choice. Principles are what we are like as a career yeah. community. We are very interested in always asking what absolutely, principle. What absolutely, absolutely. So the the principles are very simple: large scale, high tech, high impact. And uh, talk to us about where institution building comes into picture because yeah. your master class tomorrow on network capital premium yeah. is on institution building. Yeah. And I've personally seen like at least uh, when network capital partnered with Niti Aayog for Mentor India to yeah. innovation mission. I I got a sense that institution matter to you. Mm-hmm. Um talk to us about why institutions matter. What have what's your framework and mm-hmm. pick any institution that you've been a part of sure. and explain what your transformation roadmap would look like or could look like. Absolutely. So uh, when you start on something afresh um almost everybody whether be a part of a large organization small organization or they are doing something on on their they all work in a startup mode hmm. they all, there will be a dedicated set of say n number of people could be 5 could be 15 all doing almost everything together as you start thinking of scaling up and doing larger and bigger impact projects you need to have a sense of institution and a sense of by sense of institution i mean two things Uh, a central focal entity could be a person could be an organization driving the agenda forward and a set of people could be internal could be collaborators who are deeply committed to that one purpose one goal and that is what i mean by an institution you have a your dedicated set of people who understand what their role is what their uh, greater motivation is and pursuing that motivation uh, niti ayog itself is a very good example uh, mr kant has been a dynamic leader he has brought in a combination of people who have had public services expertise and combined that with the best of mind and talent from the private sector if you come to the fifth floor of niti ayog you'll see probably a hundred or more young professionals working and this uh, plus several senior officials from government of india career bureaucrats is a brilliant model then all of them are working together we are a strategy body for the government of india what's next for india what's next at a, at a large scale for india these are kind of projects that we keep working on so so the motivation is there everybody is working towards a greater good uh, the, the common goal is there which is building india of tomorrow and a driving force is there which is in this case would be uh, the ceo or the vice chairman trying to see through our interventions can we bring in large scale changes and can we move india uh, through both a combination of uh, linear uh, initiatives but also futuristic exponential initiatives so you have seen uh, for example from nitya uh, things coming like aspirational district the health stack uh, rei efforts our work in blockchain these are all future looking and these are all tr- trying to do at at a large scale if future looking could be both from tech perspective innovation perspective or or could be from even from a scale perspective aspirational districts taking 115 districts from india 115 districts uh, the combined population in the geographic combined population will be much bigger than the entire europe so that, that that's the kind of scale that we are looking at 
another uh, important institution that all of us have uh, so niti i have been privileged to work but uh, if we look at a common denominator again for for everybody who is tuning into the podcast would be uh, your alma mater for example and uh, how you are absolutely engaged, how you are engaged in that because irrespective of where you are where you will go at some point most of your introductions or conversations will be okay who are you where did you study and what did you study so your alma mater becomes important and and the strength of alma mater is not just by the institutions or the professors themselves or the courses that are being offered it's predominantly driven by the alumni base if it's an engaged alumni base it always helps and this could be through say traditional institution like an academic institution and this could or this could be through a practice and i'll give you an example that i uh, realized so i was working in singapore i always wanted to have a career in on wall street i said can i go and do it and i did it and the reason i did it was not because i was very very good or i was god's gift to mankind the reason why i did it was because a generation before me actually really slogged their heart out on wall street in trying to prove that indians can do investment banking so that's a that's my alma mater indians who have worked on on wall street right. and they have proven that people like me can go and work there and be held in highest respect you have seen that in silicon valley uh, most of tech executives are fond of working with or indians or working with indian same goes with your educational institution you can you could have an educational institution with a with a very strong heritage or it could be a new institution uh, in my case uh, for example isb is a new institution it's it's been in existence for only past 20 years uh, we have only just hit a alumni base of 10000 this you compared with say an iit or an iim much larger uh, alumni base but it's also important that only even if you have 10000 5000 and 1000 uh, alumni they should be engaged and they should be uh, invested in each other's uh, career growth so so if you grow and i grow and we both grow the school grows and the successive generations grow right and and that's where the value of uh, of uh, uh, your institutions come in nobody will ask you what your class of xyz institutions for example in my class what class of 2011 of isb achieved the common question would be what has isb achieved and that is a sum total of every single class that has graduated before me or has graduated after me hmm. and that, that, that that's why it becomes important for you to be invested if people uh, who have graduated earlier to you uh, need help or support or people who have graduated after you or people who are just uh, about to take that plunge and say whether this institution is good for me or not you being an ambassador Uh, every single time you interact with somebody who needs information about your institution uh, you being willing to help and go that extra mile if you know that this person will uh, benefit from uh, one or two steps that you could take uh, in that direction and making sure that you keep doing that time and time again i mean this can't be uh, this can't be one off this has to be a commitment and that's why it's important uh, wherever you are whether you are closer to your uh, institution whether you are far away you keep being engaged i mean the worst thing that you can do is uh, losing connect with with your school or your mm. engineering college for several mm. years and then trying to suddenly come back and see oh things are not working things are not working because you are not involved absolutely yeah um and uh, you know last section of the podcast what advice do you have for people 
who are interested in building careers in policy mm. and uh, what advice do you have for people who are interested in shaping institutions for mm. for for a collective good so uh, uh, policy is a is a both a very simple and at the same time a very complicated space uh it, it is a combination of several skills uh, there are certain primary skills that that are valued a lot uh you could have a degree in say economics or a public policy because these are these are your hard skills that you will utilize i don't have in either uh, at every single point in time when i was a banker i thought i'll probably go and do a part time uh, masters in economics uh, that that's a very valuable skill because uh a lot of us in this country become engineers first and then we think about our careers hmm. uh engineers think in a very very uh, solution oriented way and in public policy most of the times you don't have the solutions uh, you probably need to ask the right set of questions and the answers will evolve so if if you are somebody who who is comfortable with um, ambiguity and and can eventually make sense of uh, a large set of information that has come your way which may not make sense initially so no 5x plus uh, 7y equal to 17 and 6x plus xy whatever is uh, those kind of solutions is your approach then it becomes slightly difficult for you i don't i'm not ruling that out there are, there are ways to do that as well i mean financial services uh, based uh, policy making etc but these are the kind of skills that you need the second aspect is that uh, you have to be patient Uh, you can't expect to start a project and saying that i'll work on this for 3 months and then i'll move on finish them on another project what has worked for me has been uh, the ability to seed multiple projects uh, see them bloom and eventually close them over over uh, a period of time and being able to manage a lot of these projects simultaneously i mean this is true for most careers but it becomes even more acute for Uh, a career in policy making and the third aspect is that uh, maintaining a balance of uh, doing the right thing and at some point uh, the art of saying no uh, you can't do everything you can't please everyone uh, especially in public policy so do the, do your best and if a solution that has been proposed doesn't make sense learn to say no so these are critical uh, skills that i have benefited uh, in terms of uh, fantastic advice yeah. and now on to institution building so institution building uh, the first and the foremost uh, skill is commitment uh, commitment to show up commitment combined with empathy so institution can't just be shaped your way it's a combination of uh, uh, expression of uh, personality by several people so you have to uh, in a sense amalgamate views of multiple people you have to see whether things that work for you and you you alone may not work for others the second aspect of it is that is the aspect of benevolence uh, you can't think of building institutions by thinking what's in it there for me uh, what will i get back and the third aspect which i mentioned earlier was you find or you become the anchor that drives things and then you find a set of collaborators or peers who are deeply committed to it so if you think of yourself as somebody who can drive a change become the anchor right and find other people who will who will buy into your cause or if you think you are somebody who be the say workhorse or uh, in selling terms be the the powerhouse of the boat you be that you do the hard lifting and let the anchor take the lead 
Arnav, it's been fascinating. We really look forward to your Network Capital Premium Masterclass, sure. uh, taking some of these learn lessons and really presenting examples and case studies. This has been fascinating. Truly appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Utkarsh.